You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, the third volume of that, entitled Esoteric Lessons from 1913 to 1923 by Rudolf Steiner. It is notes of participants, not the words directly of Rudolf Steiner done by a stenographer, and is translated by Marcia Post. Esoteric Lesson, given in Munich on September 4th, 1913. I will mention this is uh, the fourth section of the reading. It's from pages 140 to 190 of the book. Record A. The verse for Thursday was spoken. My dear sisters and brothers, we have spoken again and again during our time here of Lucifer and Araman, and the fact that these are powers which must be in world evolution, and which, when they remain in their rightful place, are good. We must, however, argue against and protect ourselves from attacks by these powers. For that purpose we must learn to know them and to differentiate them. Lucifer is in mystical esotericism, such as we see with Meister Eckhart, Roisbrook, Tauler, Suso, and so on. In their pure devotion to the divine, in this pure and noble striving toward the spiritual, Lucifer is present in a good way. We can say that he was pious in the souls of these mystics. However, just as soon as a personal element flows into this pure striving and devotion, that is, the minute mystics devote themselves simply out of their own joy of devoting themselves, this would signify an encroachment or attack by Lucifer. We must be wakeful that nothing of this kind enters into our striving. With mystical meditation and contemplation, it is relatively easy to be awake. It is already more difficult with the beholding of visions. Lucifer is also in this, leading the mystics to believe all kinds of things that are difficult to differentiate from true visions. Something subjective mixes into all beholding. Thus, searching manifestations, illusionary figures or similar phenomena are repeated for the individual. We must direct our attention to these things. Here, we must also be awake. If we see eyes or faces or conceive of such things imaginatively, we are not so easily exposed to error. We receive through this the strength to reject Lucifer. It is not a reproach when it is said that bad characteristics and traits live in the human subconsciousness. They must be. They are a part of earthly life. Human beings can have attained a certain degree of holiness and yet have slumbering in their subconsciousness such desires and inclinations that would shock and disgust them if they were to perceive them. It is necessary to bring the greatest carefulness and wakefulness here also. In everything of an emotional nature, in mystical meditation and contemplation, 
in all visions, Lucifer is working. He is also active in all enthusiasm and also in artistic activity, both in what the artist creates and in what the artist is doing in the act of creating. There can be materialists who unfold themselves totally in the material or physical. They can express themselves only through physical matter. When we have the good fortune to look into their souls, we find a deeply religious striving, a yearning for the divine. Lucifer is the instigator of this also. In everything of a will nature, Araman is working. He approaches us in everything that shows itself to be a gesture in word or writing. He shows himself in everything that a medium writes, whether it is from a trained medium or from a natural medium, and also where someone feels compelled to write something automatically. Whereas manifestations of figures, heads of light, etc., produced by a medium are caused by Lucifer. People can work against this urge when they feel compelled, for instance, to write. They can stop and not give in to these impulses or inspirations that they think they feel or perceive. They can bring a firm will against these promptings and can decide not to follow them. Through this exertion of the will, they can gain undreamt of spiritual forces. Araman is in what we say in words that we form and send to others. As soon as the ear hears the sound, the larynx gives forth sound and words are written. Araman comes and hardens the tone or sound, the words and the writing. For this reason, it is important to strengthen the soul and to test our thoughts most subtly. Swedenborg's worldview, his visions of the future and his experiences, prophetic dreams, are imbued with Araman. Araman also permeates what Kant was interested in and what he took from Swedenborg's writings. Readers aside, I realize Swedenborg is properly pronounced something like Swedenborg, but I'm going to pronounce it in the regular way, Swedenborg. End of readers aside. Quite often, almost daily, the question is asked whether or not one should set any store in what one sees, hears, or perceives. Is it the truth? Certainly you should set some store in it. Certainly it is the truth. Every small thing in esoteric life is important and is true. It is just a matter of knowing what stands behind it. We must be tremendously careful and pay attention. Be awake. But we must acquire a certain delicate feeling of tact, not to talk about and spread these experiences around. Entirely within our innermost depths, we must seek to find out and sort out for ourselves whether Lucifer or Araman is involved. Naturally, we can speak about such experiences with our closest friends and get advice from those we trust. But we should be less willing to build teachings based on these experiences or pass them along as doctrine. Something that can happen to us daily or even on an hourly basis is that when we are walking along the street, we have a vision of a person and then actually meet that person after a few minutes. Now it can be that we have something to say to the person in question. 
we have this presentment of his coming and hurry our steps to assure that we meet. Precisely as a result of this presentment, this spiritual faculty. However, we must not do that. We may not use spiritual capabilities to our advantage in physical life. On the physical plane, we must act in accordance with the laws that have validity there, as if we knew nothing of esotericism. Such an occurrence may serve only as an indication to help us notice such things. In the exoteric lectures, we have spoken repeatedly about how Metterlink wanted proof of the spiritual life. If people were to experience Goethe's soul standing before them and had true proof that it was Goethe's soul, and if they spoke with this soul of Goethe, they would quite certainly say that this is an irrefutable proof of the immortality of the soul. Bracket, compare this with record D. Close bracket. According to the laws of the physical plane, this conclusion would be the only right one. And yet it is not correct. It is not right to say that is Goethe's soul. Lucifer is hidden in this soul of Goethe and leads us to believe that it is Goethe's soul from such and such a year. Only when we are conscious that Lucifer is hidden in this soul of Goethe do we have the possibility to penetrate to Goethe's real soul, which develops further in the spiritual world. Only then can we approach his true soul and thus have a real proof of the immortality of the soul. People approach esoteric exercises quite thoughtlessly. Many begin to do them but don't continue out of laziness, half-heartedness, etc. But the meditations are for the soul what breathing is for the physical body. If we gave up breathing, Araman as Lord of Death would intervene immediately. The soul must come to the point of not having to struggle or force itself to do the meditations, to the point where it does not want to live without them any more. The meditations must become for the soul what breathing is for the body. Over against this half-heartedness and laziness is the impetuous wish and yearning to penetrate the spiritual worlds. We must not wish to enter the spiritual worlds before the soul is properly strengthened. The main condition is quiet and peacefulness in the soul. Parentheses the titled The Soul's Awakening, Scene 3, close parenthesis. Only thus can we gain the proper strength for the soul that it must have in order to find a middle path, not right and not left, not to fall victim to Lucifer and not to Araman, but to keep to the middle path. Holding to the middle way is hard, very hard and difficult, my dear sisters and brothers. But then we must remember the words of the prologue of the John Gospel, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, and of the verses in John chapter 8, 12 through 14. When we are standing in the middle of the tumult and chaos of the spiritual world, visions and figures come from all sides, and we do not know the way and are torn from here to there. And we should place before our souls the words, quote, in the beginning was the word, close quote, and so on, or, quote, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life, close quote. Then everything will scatter, 
and we will be able to behold the right and the true. In this sense, we should ever again place before us the Rosicrucian mantra, E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R. And further, we will find more and more what is right along this difficult path when we are mindful of the simple but deep mantra with which we close our esoteric lessons. Quote, In the spirit lay the germ of my body, and the spirit has imprinted in my body the eyes of sense, that, through them, I may see the light of bodies. And the spirit has imprinted in my body reason and sensation and feeling and will, that through them I may perceive bodies and act upon them. In the spirit lay the germ of my body. In my body lies the germ of the spirit, and I will incorporate into my spirit the supersensuous eyes, that through them I may behold the light of spirits, and I will imprint in my spirit wisdom and power and love, so that through me the spirits may act, and I become the self-conscious organ of their deeds. In my body lies the germ of the spirit. End of record A. Record B. We want now to attempt to point out the subtle effects that the luciferic and aramonic beings exert upon the most intimate stirrings of our soul. For it is the duty of all who seek the way to the esoteric life to know these effects. There are especially two kinds of people who seek in totally different ways the path of spiritual knowledge. This seeking for the spirit is within the disposition of all human beings, even though not everyone wants to admit it. Even in the worst materialist, there lies quite deep in the subconscious the yearning for the spirit. They cannot attain this knowledge because they seek physical proofs for spiritual matters. Metterlink can be cited as an example. He who comes so close to the spiritual also desires physical proofs. Now there is another type of human being. There are human beings who, out of their most inward consciousness, out of their deepest soul feeling, feel themselves drawn to the spiritual. And they have an intimate knowing that does not manifest in visions. They do not need, either through physical proofs or through sense-physical theories, to have the existence of the spiritual world explained. They have this knowledge out of their own feelings, out of the deepest sensing of their hearts. Such people were the mystics, Johannes Tauler, Rusbruck, and others. The mysticism such as these people had was often under the influence of Lucifer, but in a good sense. It was in the sense that Lucifer himself, who led these highly developed souls upward into beautiful divine rapture, progressed through them in his development. One could say that in mysticism, Lucifer had the inclination to become pious. In this mysticism, only the pious devotion, the pure religious feeling, confronts us. In contrast, there is yet another mysticism, namely that of the prophetic seer, mediumistic mysticism that can either be a natural, innate disposition 
or that is also often attained through specific training. From time to time such people also turn into mediumistic writers and that sort of thing. Here we see only the impulses of Araman holding sway. He wants, for his part, to turn everything into a multiplicity or to make things fixed in writings or symbols. We find the Aramanic principle also in writing that is momentarily impulsive and arises out of inspiration without being mediumistic in nature. We must bring the right harmony between the state of entering into rapture and that of immediate direct writing under the influence of Araman. For this we must suppress the impulsive writing down of things as soon as it begins to appear. It can be pushed back, as it were, until it becomes clear in us. Only then will we be able to connect the two forces with each other in harmony. It was essentially Aramanic impulses, for instance, that mixed in with Swedenborg's great gift as a seer, his foreseeing on the physical plane, his prophesying physical events. Thus the Luciferic and Aramanic principles exert themselves in many visionary manifestations that esoteric students often have in the beginning as experiences of the spiritual worlds. The visionary objects that students see, figures, heads, eyes, are real facts that are seen. They come up from the depths of the subconscious of the human being, hidden away lie furtive, secret inclinations, drives and desires of which human beings know nothing in their upper consciousness. They do not always need to feel ashamed of these inclinations and desires because they belong in a certain sense to human nature and without these things earthly evolution would not be conceivable. Such feelings of the most hidden drives and desires surface through our esoteric training as visionary forms. They can even appear as the figures of the most exalted personalities, and yet they are human desires slumbering deeply hidden in our subconscious that Lucifer holds up to us symbolically. It would be good to let such visions pass on by us in peace and to not speak much about them, or at most only to those people who are called to explain these things to us. Even more important, we should not use these visions as teaching material. Esoteric students could now despair and ask themselves how they are to find their way when Lucifer and Araman are lurking there. Concerning this, we can always give the comfort and the indication that when we hold on to what is offered in the John Gospel, quote, in the beginning was the Word, close quote, and so on, and also in the thirteenth chapter of the John Gospel, or when we let the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes work upon us, then we have a certain guidance that brings a differentiating between truth and error. The end of record B. Record C. Yesterday we learned that Luciferic and Aramonic beings and forces work into humanity. The forces mix and flow together in the human being. Aramonic forces express themselves in human gestures, writing and movements. All writing media operate under the influence of Araman. The Luciferic influences and forces express themselves to the human being as visions, images, and in general through the perceptions of feelings. 
All of the mystics of the Middle Ages were influenced by Lucifer. Lucifer wanted to redeem himself in Cusanus, Suso, Tauler, and Meister Eckhart. The redemption of Lucifer happens through love, through the higher love that is free of egotism. The redemption of Araman happens through thinking. As a remedy for the Aramanic attacks that are too strong, thinking through the first chapter of the John Gospel is greatly recommended, quote, in the beginning was the word, close quote, and also the eighth chapter. The worst and most seductive images and visions are those that appear in beautiful, glorious color phenomena. There we must be particularly awake. Flattering the teacher is a great danger for the teacher. We should not bring such great admiration toward the teacher. Also, those who teach should endeavor not to let too great an admiration be brought toward them. Those are precisely instances where the ones teaching can take damage upon themselves. The Aramonic belongs to the future. It is what flows out of the thinking. It is then realized through the will. End of record C. Record D. We have spoken a great deal about Luciferic and Aramonic powers and must, according to the most important regulation in the old mysteries, learn to recognize their nature and their effects, especially their working in the spiritual world at the threshold of which we are all standing. People can approach the spiritual world through their feelings. This is feeling mysticism. All the mysticism of the Middle Ages, Master Eckhart, Suso, Tauler, etc., was feeling mysticism. Lucifer was in this mysticism. He attempted to become pious in it. In prophetic seeing, all the mysticism of Swedenborg, we have the Aramonic impulses. This includes what is of the will nature, what presses into our gestures, into deeds, into the impulses to write something down. Thus, Lucifer works from outside, separated from the human being, and Araman works through the human being. Araman works in the natural medium. Lucifer works in the trained medium. When we have visions or inspirations, we must push them back and not let them become active. We must seek to recognize them according to their worth. We should indeed pay attention to them, but not let them influence our actions in outer exoteric life. People who begin on their own to do exercises in meditations and then after a time drop them fall victim to Lucifer. Meditation should never be dropped out of laziness. It must become as necessary to us as breathing is for our body. Then it is right. When mediumistic spiritualists let the spirit of Goethe appear and want to prove the immortality of the soul thereby. They think it is the soul of Goethe as it lives now. That is an error. It can be that it is Goethe's soul as it lived in his body in 1828, and is, through Lucifer, made to appear as if it would be like that now. In order to find our way in the chaos that surrounds us upon entering the spiritual world, in order to have the correct helm for our soul ship, 
We must call awake in our soul the first chapter of the John Gospel or John chapter 8 verse 2. With those we will not succumb to error. The end of record D. Record E. Behind everything that is of a feeling nature, Lucifer hides himself and intervenes constantly. Behind everything of a will nature, Araman is hidden. Clairvoyants observe that in most souls, human beings strive toward the highest in their inner feelings. Even with the strongest materialists, one finds this. There, where quite deep religious feeling is strengthened and intensified through meditation, visions and experiences often come about. Here, true esotericists should engage their powers of observation. Naturally, the visions are all true, but we must first learn to read them. We must distinguish what rises subjectively out of our soul and mixes in with the objective soul images. We must know how much is from Lucifer and how much is from our own being. All of the emotions, desires, and passions that slumber in the depths of the human soul strive to surface precisely along with the visions, to mingle with the spiritual images and lead us to error. It is also especially important to observe how what is subjective always repeats itself, for example, in animal forms, and so on. There we can learn to be especially careful and can take our self-education in hand. Wakefulness, everything that manifests through the word, writing, sound and gestures, is of an aramonic nature. Also all visions and dreams of the future and so on. Everything that is produced from outside of the human being in visions and so on is luciferic. Everything that goes through the human being, such as hearing, writing, and so on, is aramonic. Everything in the physical world that wants physical proof in the spiritual world is aramonic. All attempts to convince another about spiritual science through eloquent speech or through suggestion is luciferic. The main thing is to remain conscientious and honest in our meditation. Bear in mind the content of the John Gospel and let spirit peacefulness reign in our soul. And that is the end of Record E and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson Given in Christiania, Oslo, October 5, 1913 Record A When we as esotericists climb ever higher from level to level, a number of changes take place in our soul life. Today I will speak about a weakness of esotericists that becomes noticeable to exotericists. From the standpoint of exotericists, it is a weakness. From that of the esotericists, it is much more a strength. It is what I would call the robustness of thought formation. I will give an example. William Crookes thought and reflected a lot in his life. His most significant accomplishment was perhaps in the realm of spiritualism. Not only had he experimented, but he also thought about the things that come to light in the suprasensible life. One of his most interesting problems was the microscopic human being. He imagined the human being becoming ever smaller and smaller into a kind of homunculus. Finally, the human being became only as big as a beetle 
that crawls around on a leaf of cabbage. The leaf of cabbage is, for this tiny human being, its whole world. And the edges of the leaf are like the high mountains. They appear to this human being as the Himalayas would appear to an ordinary human being. This little human being is imagined to live rapidly with a lifespan of only two months in comparison to the eighty years, a high estimation, of the human being today. Obviously, the worldview of such a human being must be totally different, since everything the ordinary human being experiences over a whole lifetime is compressed into two months. The little human would not get to know the transition of the seasons. The growth of the flowers would be experienced in a way a person today researches the whole geological development of the earth. The sun would hardly seem to move. Also, a human being was imagined who lives very slowly, with a lifespan of eighty years. The movement of the sun, which we can follow exactly, would appear to such a human being as a fiery circle, approximately as if one were to swing a glowing ember in a circle so that one sees a closed circle of light. The flowers would sprout and immediately fade away again. A mushroom would shoot through the surface of the ground and immediately disappear. For esotericists, such pictures are of interest insofar as they see from them to what extent modern exoteric thinking can get carried away. Of the three soul forces, it is the thinking that can digress the most. Esotericists cannot go along with that. They do not have such robustness in relation to thinking. Why is that? It is because such pictures as those of the microscopic, fast-living human being do not lie in the necessity and lawfulness of world existence. Quite certainly the good gods were more concerned about human life than the human being was. They created the human being not as a microscopic human, but as a macrocosmic human being. Because the macrocosmic human being alone is suited to world existence as the gods set it up. Now, if William Crookes had been able to become a god, it is possible that he would have created a microscopic human being. The good gods did not do that. They were too weak. But the modern exotericists are strong. They paint such thought pictures for themselves like that of the microscopic human being. They are stronger in their thinking than the next higher hierarchy is, the angels. Regarding the angels in ancient document states, quote, and they hid their face. Close quote. Why did the angels hide their face? What from? From the error of the human being. The gods created the human being as a thinking being and arranged the whole universe accordingly, because the human being should be a thinking being. When people believe, however, that thinking can exist on its own, when they allow it to digress from the lawfulness of the world, they must fall into error. They must then lose the connection with the universal thinking, with the source of thinking. Then the angels hide their face. So deep were these religious documents. We must just understand them. When modern theology speaks about the Bible, It has as much meaning in relation to reality 
as would be the case if European scholars who did not understand Chinese were to judge the handwritten sacred Chinese writings based on what they could see outwardly. As little value as that has, just so little value does modern biblical research have for humanity. Therefore the exercises that you, my dear sisters and brothers, have been given contain such thought pictures that exist in the great cosmic plan, and esotericists will reject imaginations such as that of the microscopic, fast-living, or the slow-living human being. Such imaginations cause them pain, and they sense them as being unhealthy and unnecessary in world existence. In relation to the microscopic human being, they will feel something like a burning, it becomes hot for them, and that everything flows together into a point. In contrast, everything spreads far out into the universe, for instance, when they imagine a human being who is eighty years old. A feeling of coldness overcomes them. They freeze. We can also have such a feeling of coldness with various philosophers. With Anaxagoras and, to a lesser extent, with Empedocles, one has an icy feeling. In relation to Leibniz, one senses a feeling of beneficial warmth. He is, if the expression is correctly understood, an agreeable philosopher. One has a feeling of burning, of being hot, also when one meditates on a point. That is, at the same time, a good measure of esoteric development. If I have no trouble imagining a point, if it costs me no effort, such as is the case with how it is taught to the school children today, it is not right. When esotericists have to exert themselves and when they have a hot, burning feeling, it is proof that they are advanced in their training. Such a picture taken from world processes is a bowl filled with oil in which a flame is burning and shining. The bowl stands still and the oil is consumed. Whoever imagines themselves in this picture receives through it a true image of the nature of the human being. The bowl is the solid, the physical body. The oil that is consumed is the etheric body. The flame is the astral body. And the light is the I, capital, of the human being. This human essence or being is very different according to each climate and place. And more than we usually realize, human beings grow together with their surroundings. There is a difference if a person travels from Berlin to Sicily or to here, Oslo. People experience something different when they travel to the north. The etheric body becomes ever larger, especially in the northeast, for instance, in Finland. When someone travels from here, Oslo, to the north, the etheric body must contract. Through this, strong healing forces can be set free. Of course, it depends on whether the one who is to be healed gives resistance or not, and it depends on karma. The end of Record A. Record B. There are many things that esotericists cannot do, things in which they are weak when compared to the exotericists. Tomorrow we will discuss things that esotericists must acquire for themselves. Esotericists can no longer let their thinking buzz around such as the exotericists do. An example is given of what is meant. Exotericists imagine a little human being. 
like that imagined by crooks, which is as small as a little beetle. It is a human being that lives only two months and is, in this time span, child, adult, and elderly person. In comparison to such thought-out things, the thinking of the gods is weak. They can think the human being only in the size and makeup actually existing now. It must cause esotericist burning pain to think of the microcosmic instead of the macrocosmic human being. The little compressed one must cause the esotericist pain. The large macrocosmic human being must create fire for them. All of this vague thinking about the universe, such as questioning and brooding about what was before Saturn, what was there before God was there, etc., must create a tremendous coldness for the esotericists. To think or imagine a point and a circle, or a point or a circle, is difficult for esotericists, but not for exotericists. The esotericists also train their soul. In this way we can get an idea of from where error and evil came into the world. Getting to know the etheric body happens through attention and concentration. Getting to know the astral body comes about through the devotion of the soul, through meditation, through going into our soul. And the result is an expansion of the memory. A good means of meditation is to imagine a bowl of oil and a flame that shines and consumes the oil. That is a symbol for an imagination that corresponds to a natural possibility. The bowl is the physical body, the oil is the etheric body, the flame that burns and consumes the oil is the astral body, and the shining of the flame is the eye. The end of record B and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given at Christiania, Oslo, October 6th, 1913, record A. We all want to attain entrance into the spiritual world. We all see before us, or at least have an inkling of it, a portal with a threshold. And in order to reach it, we are given certain exercises. In spite of that, the way is difficult and full of obstacles. The path leads through a sea of sorrows, and a great deal of patience is necessary so that we do not become exhausted along the way. Who creates these obstacles? First, our own nature creates them, and second, Lucifer and Araman seek to lay obstacles in the path. Both of these beings have their effectiveness on earth. It is an effectiveness that could be good if they limited themselves to what they should, to living in the effects of the sense world. However, they are not content to remain in the spiritual realm where they belong and only to send their effects down into the physical plane. They want to reign on earth also with their eye-consciousness. We know that human beings attain their eye-consciousness on earth. The angels achieve it in the elemental world and the archangels in the astral world. Thus Lucifer and Araman wish to penetrate into the eye-consciousness of the human being. Araman is the Lord of Death, as determined through the nature of the human being. There is no life in the stone that is its nature. Now Araman wants to extend his power to what crosses the portal of death, what belongs to the spiritual world. For this reason he brings to modern human beings, the materialists and monists, 
the lie that there is no eternity, that the soul is contained in the physical and ceases to exist when the body dies. Araman can draw near human beings because they have fear. If it is normal fear of which people can easily attain knowledge, it is not so bad. But it becomes bad when this fear slumbers in the depths of the subconscious. Such people fall victim to Araman. This fear is present with all the followers of materialistic science, even though they would not believe it if one told them so. But this is so with all the people who have no relationship to the spiritual world. Goethe quite correctly has Mephistopheles say, quote, People never feel the devil, even when he has them by the collar. Close quote. You need only go into a laboratory where many people are working, and you will see how strongly their etheric bodies are impregnated or fructified by Araman. Clairvoyants see in them exactly the same forms that they see in the etheric bodies of people who are filled with fear. When people walk through a room where there is a mirror, they see their image. But that can be only because they are actually there. Thus, what exists on earth is only their mirror image. But Araman seeks to convince them that that is the reality. How can we protect ourselves from Araman? We can protect ourselves from him by being satisfied with what is given to us. Quote, Be pleased with what is given to you. Do gladly without what is not granted to you. Close quote. Then Araman cannot reach us. People should not be without wishes. They should not be an ascetic who flees from the world, but also should not be full of joy only. They should seek to hold the balance between the two. This gives the correct mood for esotericists. Also, Lucifer could work much good if he would limit himself to his area of endeavor to lead the human being to I-consciousness. Lucifer stands behind all art and all truly independent science. However, he tempts the human being to exaggerated self-consciousness and conceit. As an example, imagine an artist who creates a statue. As long as it is a copy, everything is in order. However, when he wants to keep his creation for himself, wants to be God, and demands that the statue walk, breaks it, and really imagines that it walks, then Lucifer stands behind this. Lucifer is effective in the naturalistic, realistic dramas that are written today. Lucifer goes on stage. A hundred years ago, Schiller let his William Tell say things that no human being had spoken before. For him, as was often expressed, art was a gift from heaven. Today, Gerhard Hauptmann manages to strike everything down in Wilhelm Tell that is not consistent with his realistic view, realism. The only antidote that we have in relation to Lucifer is the deepest humility and self-modesty. How many tell themselves in the evening when they do a review of their day's work that the gods were the ones who guided their deeds and actions? Most people believe they may be proud of what they themselves have accomplished. If we nourish and increase the spirit of humility and modesty in us, we protect ourselves from Lucifer. If we develop satisfaction within our inner being, 
Araman cannot get to us. The end of record A. Record B. Those will keep Araman away who follow the saying, quote, Be pleased with what is given to you. Do not desire what is not given to you. Close quote. To have the right attitude toward Lucifer, esotericists say, quote, Practice self-knowledge by looking at your deeds and not ascribing them to the God in you. Close quote. Human beings see only a mirror image of themselves on earth. Human beings are spiritual beings. Because they see their mirror image on earth, they come to their eye consciousness. Human beings must get to know their eye on earth. Lucifer and Araman commit the mistake of carrying their eye into the physical plane instead of carrying its effect into the physical plane. We must not stop with just having the imagination, we must, but must learn to read it. Araman has influence in the physical world when only the physical sense world is acknowledged. And this condition of the physical body and etheric body is revealed exactly to clairvoyance. This is the condition that they otherwise find in human beings who are feeling fear. Araman deceives us in the beholding, and so the reading must become beholding, seeing. Lucifer seduces us to seek God in ourselves, to regard ourselves as the Lord God. We can protect ourselves from this through humility and modesty. Esotericists must learn two things. Number one, to be devoted and loyal to doing the meditation. Number two, to have patience. Araman is also the tempter in the elemental world. For this reason, we should not say of what we see in the elemental worlds, I feel myself in a world of warmth, nothing solid is there, or streams, etc. No, we should not say this. We should learn to read what we see there, and then we can say that it is the old Saturn evolution period. Every being has its world where it must experience its eye. The angel hides its face before the becoming of the human being. The angels experience their eye in the elemental world. The archangels experience their eye in the astral world. But their effects reach down into the physical world. The blood symbolizes the eye of the human being. Those people who cannot stand to see blood, either their own or someone else's, cannot bear their own eye. These people cannot tolerate even the symbol for the expression of their own eye. Those in question faint when they see blood. Do human beings know their eye? No, human beings absolutely cannot yet bear their eye. They deaden themselves to it and do not want to go through the experience of it. They do not want to acquaint themselves with their eye. When we experience the rose cross as an imagination, we must learn to read it. We should not stop with the black wood of the cross. An esoteric word belongs to it, is a part of it. When we see the color blue filling space, we must tell ourselves that there is something behind this blue. Perhaps we penetrate through it and an angel appears to us. We could also say that behind the blue is hidden red, and behind that is passion. We must penetrate through that 
and then there appears the devil. Reference to Lucifer in The Soul's Awakening, the Devacon scene, cosmic midnight scene, only clad as a red band, question mark. The human etheric body is not the same size in every country. It becomes ever larger the farther to the north away from Berlin one goes. It becomes smaller the farther south one goes and the farther east. And the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Bergen, October 11th, 1913. Record A. It is always again necessary to provide anew a picture of what must happen in the meditation and how the meditant should act with it. When you start to meditate, you should be careful that your surroundings are not too warm or too cold, so that you feel as few hindrances from the physical body as possible. The first thing to appear will be a kind of inner restlessness, as if something in your blood were to prickle and crawl, such that you feel distracted by it. It can even go so far as a murmuring of the blood. Those who have not experienced this could think that this is so because they meditate better. That is, however, not the case, because everyone must finally experience this prickling in the blood. It is even a proof that you are on the right path. For through this something comes into your consciousness that you would like to overlook in ordinary life. Through the prickling of the blood we become conscious of the egotism with which we are encumbered and which hinders us from gaining entrance into the spiritual world. It prevents us, first of all, from attaining the necessary stillness. Yet, with a firm continuation of the meditation, you will come to the point where the prickling can no longer bother you when it is present. A second obstacle in meditation is a kind of difficulty in breathing, whereas, beforehand, you felt your breathing taking place with regularity, there comes a moment when you feel as if your breathing would falter, as if you have a swelling or constriction in your throat that prevents you from breathing. This is also something that everyone who tries to meditate must experience. This experience shall point out to us a deficiency or lack of the sense for truth. It points to the mendaciousness that is still in you. A third hindrance is that during meditation you can suddenly feel weak and break out in a sweat. This is the obstacle which the physical body lays in the way of the etheric body, so that the etheric body cannot progress as it should in the meditation. This occurs especially to those who want to develop themselves esoterically, but who eat too much. And when the etheric body really succeeds in loosening from the physical body, Then those people have before them, as it were, a thick wall through which they cannot see, and further attempts to see something of the spiritual light or spiritual beings are fruitless. A fourth thing that can happen is that everything feels very pleasant and easy to you, and you find yourself in a kind of dream state. When this happens, it indicates that we are lacking in the tendency to be social with other people, and that on the physical plane we tend to lead a dream life. A remedy that is recommended against the egotism, which can occur so strongly that one experiences a great disquiet because of it, is to read and let work in us the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, or the beginning of the John Gospel. That will provide quietness at times. 
Also, what was given recently as the fifth gospel is meant to prevent a further increase of egotism. The more earnestly we develop ourselves as esotericists, the more we should nurture within us an offering, a devotion, that we should bring from our soul to the higher beings, for example, the angels. The angels need our esoteric striving and our study of theosophy as food for themselves. And to the degree theosophy penetrates us and we make it a part of our being, in the same degree can the archangels use it for the further development of individual peoples and for their own development. The end of record A. Record B. What does the soul do when it meditates? It becomes completely one with the meditation content. The hindrances that appear are the thoughts and cares of life that the soul cannot ward off. Then further obstacles arise. Number one, a prickling, sticking, or buzzing in the blood during meditation. This reveals the egotism that we have in us, and we should thereby test where the impulses of egotism lie within us. Those who say they are glad that in their meditation no sticking, prickling, and also no buzzing arises have absolutely not yet meditated deeply. Number two, the appearance of a choking in the throat during meditation. That is our untruthfulness, this angel of death. The breathing is felt and it goes to the point of constriction. Number three, we experience during meditation, outside of our body, woven out of dreams or dream substance, a form of our physical body. It is the phantom, the form that takes in what will then become the physical body and which is not buried with us. When both the blood and the breathing are overcome and when we meditate further, it can then happen that during meditation the etheric body wants to leave and because of the impure forces in us, the etheric body is as if pressed out of us in strong sweating and then we see the physical body like a form woven out of fine material. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Copenhagen, October 15, 1913. Record A. Through our exercises we gradually enter into the spiritual world, but this is not possible without at the same time coming into contact with Lucifer and Araman. In the Bible we find the story of the fall of humanity, through which Lucifer, and then later also Araman, achieve influence over human beings. They work into human beings in such a way that when human beings enter into the spiritual world, it is difficult for them to endure their I capital. Certain people, even in the physical world, cannot bear the outer symbol of the I. They faint at the sight of blood. The fall gave self-knowledge, but with a limitation. Every time we take a step forward in self-knowledge, new temptations attack us, and indeed to the degree that we can just manage to endure them. Just as we are limited in our physical body with respect to the degree of pain we can endure, so too are our forces limited for enduring the higher worlds. Because Lucifer and Araman drove us out of paradise at the fall, they are again the ones we meet when we want to enter the spiritual world. 
and these beings bring it about that we feel our limitations. Araman is in everything that comprises the spiritual sounds, words, etc. that we can hear. We should always be distrustful toward these, for in human speech, which is differentiated into the various national languages, there lives untruth. Of course, it is not total untruth. Otherwise, we all would have to be lying every time we opened our mouths to speak. As much truth as is in the language, just so much truth lies in the voices, in quotes. If the voice always spoke the truth, then in the temptation at the fall, Lucifer could not have said, you will become like the gods, but would have to, had to say, I lie. Lucifer gives visions. We must break through these visions, otherwise we do not break the shell that is around every human being and covers up the true spiritual world. The visions and the voices are around us like the shell is around the chick in the egg. In a vision we can perhaps behold an angel, and when we penetrate the vision, the angel turns into a serpent, the symbol of Lucifer. For Lucifer was in the form of a serpent in the temptation at the fall. Or, perhaps in our meditation we see the color blue. If we break through the blue, the blue can disappear and become red. This shows that we have seen our own passions. After the temptation, the human being did not receive through Lucifer everything that the gods have. The human being did indeed receive premature knowledge, but not life. Because of this, everything we know and perceive is imbued with Lucifer and Araman. Thus is it basically also this way with the content of our exercises. When we examine our exercises, we will find that they are so formed that they never call on human egotism. Many people find this unpleasant. We do not meditate on, in quotes, love or, in quotes, truth, because that would only foster egotism. However, in spite of that, such concepts like light and warmth, which are found in our exercises, are things of the physical world which we know at first only through the physical senses. All of this is a gift from Lucifer. For this reason, after the meditation, we should drop the content, empty the soul completely of these impressions. By doing this, we refuse everything that comes from Lucifer and Araman, and we prepare ourselves for the purely spiritual world. Then the world of the senses disappears, and the spiritual world opens up before us. This spiritual world has nothing in common with the physical world. Ordinary human beings are like the chick that would regard its eggshell as the real world. If the chick could see within its eggshell, this eggshell would not look small to the chick, but quite enlarged. It would look as large as our world looks to us. The content within the shell would look like the whole world. This is the way we see our eggshell. Our aura that is spread out around us is the blue vault of the heavens. If we break through our shell, then the sun and moon become dark, the stars fall to the earth, 
and in their place the spiritual world spreads itself out. Human beings live in their eggshell, their aura. The Elohim gave us our aura, and through the fall this aura became like a shell around us. We are within it, just like the chick is in the egg. The sky and the stars are our boundary, and we must use our soul strength to break through the boundary, just as the chick has to use its own strength to break through its shell. Then we achieve entrance into a new world, just as the chick has a new world before it when it has crawled out of the egg. And because human beings all actually have the same eggshell around them, and because astronomy could arise such as it now has, this lets the celestial bodies move around on the celestial vault. The eggshell is ex deo nasimor. In order to break through this shell and also take something with us into the spiritual world, we must bring with us what penetrates into our shell from the outer world, that is, from the spiritual world, and what is common to us all. This is Christ. Thus we speak in Christo Morimor, and hope that when we have broken through the shell with Christ's help, we will be resurrected again, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. The end of record A. Record B. We should feel the suppressing of the content of the meditation as the fight against Lucifer. We must achieve an understanding for the so-called fall of the human being. We experience something similar to the fall when we become an esotericist. For what do people do when they become esotericists? They take on ahead of time something that humanity must go through only later. And always when human beings actually do not want to progress in the regular manner, the temptations of Lucifer begin to approach them. Lucifer tempts us when we hear voices within ourselves that speak to us in our language. On the other side of the threshold, our language is not spoken. A different language is spoken there. For this reason we must say to these voices, You all lie. Araman tempts us by showing us pictures. We must penetrate through the voices and the pictures in order to come to the truth. The following was given as an example. Imagine a chick before it comes out of the egg. It has the eggshell around it, and this is what the chick knows and sees from inside. It sees the inside of the eggshell, in the same way we look at as our eggshell, the sky and everything that our eyes see. All of this that we see is a beholding of the egg from the inside. We see our own aura from inside. We must break through this eggshell, just as the chick punches through its eggshell with its beak, throws it off, and enters into a new world. Only when we also do this, do we then enter the world of the divine spiritual beings, the hierarchies. In order to achieve this, breaking through our eggshell, we must let everything in the meditation fall away. We must shut out everything, other thoughts and feelings that want to come over us, except the content of the meditation. Then, however, we must also let this content fall away. We must shut it out and yet remain conscious. That is the most important thing. 
We must feel that. Lucifer lives in our thinking, also in our thinking during the meditation. We, therefore, enter into an association with Lucifer in our thinking of the meditation. Now, we must drop our thinking in the meditation. This means we have to make ourselves empty by dropping the content of the meditation and letting go of the thought force. Through voluntary conscious suppression of the content and thought force, we voluntarily and consciously kill what comes from Lucifer. It is a matter in the meditation of generating a concentrated attention without having an object of our attention. To be attentive to an object is the beginning of the meditation, but then we must turn our attention away and give the thinking back to the gods. That is the most important thing. And only then do we enter the true spiritual world. After the human being succumbed to the temptation of Lucifer, who said, You will be like the gods, then the Godhead said, No. And the gods took away the life from what Lucifer gave. The gods inserted death into it. When we enter the spiritual world, we experience the force that molds and builds the human bodily nature. We come to the truth of ourselves. Through Lucifer, the human beings learn the difference between good and evil. They receive the ability to judge. The physical body has a limit to how much pain it can endure. When this limit has been surpassed, the person faints. The soul too has limits, beyond which unconsciousness enters in. Through letting go of brain thinking, we experience ourselves outside of our brain. We feel as if we are circling around our brain in streams. We really slip around our brain afterward, after letting go of the thinking. If we continue the otherwise ordinary thinking and feel ourselves connected with processes which are otherwise always in effect, and with that force through which the thought process arises, then we come to know a feeling that we can express in this way we have a real fear to let it, what we experience outside the brain, come into our thoughts. A certain willpower and overcoming of ourselves must be brought in relation to the communication of such truths and facts, these spiritual imaginations, which we have experienced outside the brain, because we have now learned what actually works on the human being. We behold the destruction process of ordinary thinking. Spiritual researchers manage for a while not to involve themselves in the destruction process. They place themselves beside their brain. Devoting oneself or giving oneself up to the universe without exerting inner activity is a part of spiritual research. Then spiritual researchers learn to do voluntarily what is otherwise done involuntarily during sleep. Spiritual researchers learn to feel all of the functions of the body, breathing, processes of the glands, etc., and they face and experience the whole human being from outside. Through devotion and deepening of the soul forces of thinking and especially of feeling, spiritual researchers accomplish all of this.
We must put our hearts into such a meditation, into such an idea. We must engage our feelings in meditating. Then we will not only be outside of our brain, but we will circle the whole human being. Then it begins to dawn on us. You were there before conception. You descended down into this incarnation. We look out over earthly life and we have a typical spiritual experience. It is as if a lightning bolt split this body. This experience shows us in a picture that it is as if a lightning bolt shot through the house, through your body, and carried it away. That is a distressing experience. It is the experience of coming close to death. Now we see and know what the soul spiritual core of the human being is. We must then also learn to concentrate our will selflessly in regard to the outer daily act of speech. Just as we can release the power of thought from the brain and the whole human being through the feeling, so too can we release the power of speech from language itself. The speech movements must be silent. We may not come outwardly to speaking. We must practice inwardly, soul spiritually. We execute the same activity that we would otherwise do in speaking. It must go so far that we do not let the sound even enter the nerves. What is normally used to speak must remain in the gestures. In the mantric, in meditation, it is not a concept that is involved. It is only inwardly experiencing the sound. We listen to ourselves. But do not let anything come into speaking. Through this we will come to know our earlier earthly lives. That is true memory. The forces of our mind and heart, gimut, allow us to look into our life beyond birth and conception. The forces of our will show us earlier earthly lives. The end of record B, record C. What is the fall of humanity? With it something happened that formed the development of humanity differently than it was supposed to be according to the gods, especially according to Yahweh. Human beings were supposed to be a creation that should have followed the instincts of the gods, just the way the animal follows its instincts. But human beings were given their own ability to distinguish between good and evil, earth knowledge. They were taught to make their own judgments, but the knowledge of heaven of the spirit was taken away from them for the time being. Now esotericists undertake the task to achieve knowledge of the spiritual world and bring it to the earth knowledge. The esotericists no longer have it easy like the rest of the people who merely live their lives. There arise for the esotericists earnest duties and responsibilities, for instance in relation to the truth. They know that when in an incarnation they have told someone an untruth, they must rectify this by telling that person the truth. This is not always easy. It can be terribly difficult, but it must happen because karma must be fulfilled. For example, if an esotericist suddenly feels about to be sick, that is the spirit of truth that wants untruth eradicated. Esotericists must take this as a warning to speak the truth. Or, in another instance, 
they feel a prickling in the blood. That is the egotism concealed in the eye. As long as people hide themselves from the egotism and do not want to see it, it is expressed in the fact that they cannot bear to see the expression of the egotistical eye, the blood. They faint at the sight of blood. They hide from the egotism that prickles in the blood. The Luciferic and Aramonic forces work everywhere, and esotericists become quite explicitly acquainted with these forces. They must fight these forces and must not shy away from the fight. Human beings received earth knowledge through the serpent, through Lucifer. Earth knowledge must be led to the point of death, because death is the result of earth knowledge. Human beings must learn to feel the earth. Bracket, handwritten note, illegible here, close bracket. Inwardly dead. They must be able to let their thinking die and yet remain awake and conscious. The meditation content is given in words of the human language, but the language is Lucifer's work, Tower of Babel. The words have covered the actual human language, the proto-language. Thus we would have to receive a Luciferic content right into our meditation. When we believe at a certain stage of soul development that we hear voices, and when these voices speak to us in any language, we must absolutely know that it is Lucifer speaking. What the voices speak are lies, and with strong inner force we must break through the shell of these lies in order to come to the truth. That is, to the true spiritual world which is covered up by this shell of lies. And when people believe they see pictures or images, this is, first of all, Araman at work. We human beings are like a chick in the egg like a chick that believes that the shell of the egg is like a mirror from which it can see what it itself is. Human beings must have the inner strength when, for instance, an angel appears to penetrate with knowledge force through this picture and discover that the angel changes into a devil. The chick could believe that its shell is the universe. Human beings believe the same thing. People are stuck in their own eggshell and believe that this blue shell on which they see the stars, sun, and moon is the world. It is not. People are doing the same thing that the chick does, and when the chick uses its strength and bursts through the shell, it is like the human beings who use their inner strength and burst the shell of the world egg that they regard as the world. Then, when they have burst through the shell, People see that what the astronomers say about the sun, moon, and the stars is not entirely true. They see the world of the hierarchies and their working. The stars fall down for them, and the sun and moon lose their physical light. They go out into the world of the Father God, of the Creator of the world egg, which before was their whole world. Human beings enter into this world of the Father God through death but also through initiation. Christ belongs to both worlds, their primordial world but also the world of the egg, because he made the sacrifice to give himself into it, the world of the egg, and to work in it. 
He did this so that human beings could find the inner strength to burst the shell and so come into the world of the hierarchies, the world of the Holy Spirit. The mantra in Christo Morimor means to let our earth knowledge die so that the heavenly knowledge can light up again. Just as the physical body comes to its limit of how much pain it can bear and passes out when the limit is surpassed, so too does the soul have limits of its ability to endure. Then it, the soul, cannot manage any more and must do what the spirit of truth demands of it. It must break through the knot. The soul feels itself in its own force, which surrounds it like a shell. The soul must break through this shell, and then Lucifer and Araman are there immediately. The end of record C, record D. The fall can be experienced again on the esoteric path, because with every advance of the, by the human being, temptation stands in the way. Those who become esotericists must be aware that they must take life differently from the exotericists. We can numb bodily pain, but we can no longer numb soul pain. We must know that when we speak untruth, we must sometime in a later life rectify this by speaking the truth, but then with the feeling of shame. The physical body can endure only a certain amount of pain and then we faint. We lose the power of our eye. Weak souls can also faint through fear or shock. When immature souls with a psychic nature enter the spiritual world rapidly through the exercises, they fall victim there to a numbing through voices that speak to them in their language. Lucifer places these voices before the spiritual world. We must then awaken a great soul strength in order to call to these voices, You lie. Then the voices stop. In our imagination, Araman opposes us. Some people see an angel. When they examine it closely, it disappears in mist and in its place is a devil. If a manifestation has a blue color that when looked at sharply turns to red, this shows that there is still desire in us. Human beings sit in the aura of their illusions, also in regard to their physical surroundings, like a chick in the eggshell. We must break through this shell in order to enter the spiritual world. We must first learn to understand the speech of the spiritual world. For this we must imbue ourselves with something that has come from the spiritual world to us in the eggshell. This is the Christ impulse, and we must take it with us out of the eggshell. Behind the maya of the celestial vault we then find the hierarchies. In our meditations we have something, a part, that belongs to Lucifer's realm. We thus connect ourselves with Lucifer. When we shut out the meditation content and shut out all thinking, we call upon our soul to do battle with Lucifer. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Nuremberg, November 9, 1913. It is so difficult for esotericists to make progress because they imagine the experiences they are supposed to have as much too tumultuous. Above all, 
It is important to pay attention to the subtlest processes. Imagine that you walk on a quiet evening through an isolated forest. Every smallest sound is perceptible, the falling leaves and approaching sleigh and so on. And now imagine in contrast the big city. In the noise of the streets you will perceive nothing of that kind, and yet these still fine sounds are present here also. In meditation there surfaces everything possible that did not reach the threshold of consciousness before. I hear the complaint so often that so many thoughts and pictures surface in people's meditations. They cannot control the thoughts and pictures, nor can they free themselves from them. You can absolutely take this as progress in meditation. Because the astral body and etheric body loosened their connection to the physical body during meditation, the esotericists objectify their other human being. In these processes, they should examine their soul spiritual element that weaves and works without their assistance. Lucifer's temptation approaches esotericists from within. Araman's comes from outside. An example, let us assume that you live in a well-behaved, quiet family. However, your family lives wall on wall with people who often tell or read aloud stories about robbers. Even if you have not heard them with your physical ears at all, their stories imprint themselves on your etheric body and emerge during meditation. Another example, you experience a dog being run over. In your own body, a whimpering and barking can arise, can result after experiencing such an accident. Out of other connections, a whole pandemonium sets in during meditation. Meditants should not despair about this, but should be happy because they can get an idea of the connection and learn to examine ever more objectively everything that has worked upon them beforehand. It is like a feeling or touching of your whole body during meditation. Here and there feelings of pain appear as the result of egotism and other things. With this feeling or touching, you begin above your head and go bit by bit down the whole body. You will also learn, starting with the phenomena of an illness, to draw conclusions about earlier experiences. For example, an inner ear infection can suggest the most peculiar impressions that were imprinted on the etheric body because the person had, as a youth, heard without full consciousness stories about robbers. These stories then had the liveliest effect. If people fall asleep during theosophical or similar lectures, what they heard works on in their etheric body, especially when they later have pangs of conscience about having fallen asleep. When they reproach themselves, it often works very strongly in the subconscious. Regarding the self-recrimination that we are still bad because ugly pictures keep arising during meditation and inner concentration, the word of the gospel should comfort us. Quote, he took our guilt upon himself. Close quote. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Nuremberg on November 10, 1913. We want to discuss something that can be of value for our whole esoteric life. The goal of this esoteric life is to give us something that, as ordinary human beings, we do not yet have. We act like children in relation to spiritual worlds. 
Reasonable teachers or educators do not let children do simply whatever they want to do. That is, parents and teachers do not educate children by letting the children have their way with everything. We must consider and examine not what is, but what is becoming in the children, and must arrange everything in their education accordingly. Also in play, for example, one gives a child a gun that shoots blanks or a cap pistol, because a regular gun would cause damage. Thus is it also when human beings seek the spiritual worlds. If they were given too early the means to enter the spiritual worlds, they would cause only damage and disaster upon using these means before they were really developed enough to enter the spiritual worlds. We must treat children as emergent, becoming persons. They express their nature in their playing. A boy plays war, a girl plays mother and child with dolls. Likewise, esotericists must be treated as developing, becoming beings by the spiritual teachers and guides. And they must be given what they will need later. Our earthly development progresses. When we enter into new incarnations, it will be evident how important and necessary it was to have occupied ourselves with theosophy in this life. People will want to recall, they do not do this yet, their spiritual experiences. Those who have not taken in any theosophy will find nothing. They will brood over it. They will crave and starve for something that they cannot find in their memory. It is important, immensely important, to devote ourselves to the esoteric life, even though we do not enter the spiritual worlds consciously. We must see the spiritual work as a necessary preparation. We should banish everything else from our thoughts and feelings. What absolutely matters is the prevailing mood of soul. Imagine a chick breaking the eggshell and hatching. What is the difference between the time before it hatched and afterward? Beforehand, the chick was completely enclosed in the eggshell, and that was its world. Everything the chick experienced it experienced as pictures within the egg-shell. Where is the chick when it breaks through the shell? Then it stands on the outside of the shell. Then the chick's experience and perception expand around as far as its senses reach. Thus, it is a much larger space than before, and the life in the egg-shell seems tiny in comparison. Human beings in the ordinary sense life are in the same situation as the chick in the shell. Everything around us projects itself as a picture and appears to be the size it does because we are enclosed within this sense life and do not have a measure for comparison other than this. We look up to the blue sky and see the stars. Astronomers calculate their orbits and what they call their astronomical laws. And in truth they see no further than the eggshell. In our astral body we all carry such an eggshell around with us, an aura eggshell, a hull. It is only that with the chick the shell is condensed to the point of being physical, and with us it is not. For this reason we do not notice it. Materialistic science, for instance, sees the sun as only a hollow sphere, or suppose it to be imbued with matter similar to what is thought to be in our earth but just in other states of being. In truth, however, the sun is the center of our I, capital.
And when we see the evening star or the morning star, then we know as theosophists that there outside the forces are working which correspond to our etheric body. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin, November 17, 1913. Record A. Starting from the often stated fact that the mystery of Golgotha is the most important event in the evolution of humanity, and that since this event Christ is connected with the aura of the earth, Dr. Steiner said that many of us have had during our striving the question imposed upon us, where is Christ actually now? Parenthesis, in the lecture before the last one in the lodge, Rudolf Steiner already said that people seek Christ where he is not just as the women at the grave sought him and found that the grave was empty. And also, like these women, the crusaders of the Middle Ages sought him where he is not. Only the disciples sought him where he is, in the Spirit. Then Dr. Steiner spoke about the point in time back to which people can remember. This time lies between birth and the seventh year of life, and it is the time when the self-consciousness of the human being awakens. This point lies between birth and the change of teeth, and in this time the individual form of the physical body is essentially molded. In the first years of life, human beings live in a dull, dreamlike condition of consciousness. The whole soul life of humanity today takes the course it does, because human beings awaken to their self-consciousness in the first seven years of life. Let us assume for a moment that this were different. Hypothetically, we will assume that human beings do not awaken to self-consciousness until they are in their tenth year of life. Then their whole soul life would be different. Let us imagine that such people who have awakened to self-consciousness in their tenth year have the intention to wake up at a particular time the next morning. They would, upon waking up, have the impression that they themselves came to the door, knocked, and awakened themselves. Or they might see themselves coming into the room as a light form, walking up to them, opening their eyes, and thus awakening them. They would then know that Christ is in the same realm, out of which their own light form comes. In spite of human self-consciousness, entering already during the first seven years. Many people will, at some time, soon have this experience. We are standing at a significant turning point, and we must point it out. People will then experience how the light form of their astral body sails up to them, and they will recognize that this light form consumes or saps the physical body. When the astral body leaves the physical body, it takes a piece with it. And when in the morning the light form again takes possession of the physical body, we know that the cost of our living is dying. This knowledge can lead people to the deepest sorrow and melancholy. They will no longer value their physical body. Whereas through outer culture and the accomplishments of technology, airplanes and other things, human courage is immensely intensified and increased. At the same time, little value is placed on life. People will fall into a deep earnestness, a sorrow and melancholy, and the number of suicides will increase tremendously. 
While outer courage grows in the outer sense life, inner courage, on the other hand, will necessarily decrease and give way to a cowardice, a hidden cowardice. Human beings are becoming ever more materialists and want to know nothing of the soul spiritual. There is a kind of cowardice behind this. The angels foresaw this in the evolution of humanity and inspired Kant to develop his doctrine of the boundaries of human knowledge. This was necessary in the development of humanity. Those people who do not find their way to Christ fall victim to boundless sorrow and deepest earnestness when they experience, quote, I lived at the expense of dying, close quote, and they actually see the figure of death walking beside them. But we know that Christ lives in the awe of the earth. We are always connected with him. And when we know this and keep this knowledge alive in us, the image of death takes on the characteristics of Christ, who walks beside us, even though we do not behold him clairvoyantly. Seeing Christ clairvoyantly does not yet make him alive. We must know him. And because of this, the following must now be said. We cannot withdraw from the spirit of the time. He works everywhere, and we are standing in our time. However, knowing that Christ lives and that we can reach him will preserve our souls from desolation, deep melancholy, and the contempt for life. Through this, we will understand the meaning of our Rosicrucian mantra, In Christo Morimor. When we can let all of this become quite living in our soul, in our moments of stillness, it can become a great help. End of Record A. Record B. We want to examine something important today. You must inwardly work on all the communications and information that have been given to you in the esoteric lessons. They must fill you completely and be the object of your inner contemplation and reflection in your leisure time. During meditation, or as a result of it, it can happen that we ask ourselves, Where then, actually, is Christ? Where must I seek Him? We know the following. Before the mystery of Golgotha, Christ was a cosmic being who lived outside the earth's sphere. In the event that is designated as the John Baptism, Christ descended into the already prepared bodily nature of Jesus of Nazareth and was active within it for three years. And finally we know that through the mystery of Golgotha, the Christ being flowed together with the aura of the earth, and that since then Christ is to be found in the surroundings of the earth. Those who were initiated before the mystery of Golgotha did not yet find him in the surroundings of the earth. They had to be transported to the sun to find him. However, since the mystery of Golgotha, Christ flowed into the aura of the earth, and everyone can now experience him there. For we know that yet in this century many people will come to behold the etheric Christ, Naturally, to have a knowledge of Christ is yet something different. It has already been pointed out often that the forms of the physical body develop by the seventh year of life. The physical body keeps growing, but the actual forms are there. We know further that modern human beings develop in such a way that sometime between birth and the seventh year of life, 
is the first moment that we can recall. Many believe that we can think back only to the seventh year, but that is not correct. It only appears that way, because today memory is frequently covered up by other imaginations. This moment between birth and the seventh year back to which we can remember is the moment when our I-consciousness awakens. Now the following question can emerge and be given as a thorough, detailed meditation to the meditant by the Master. How would evolution proceed if human beings continued in dreamlike life without the I-consciousness that modern beings have? How would it be if people's I-consciousness awakened only in the second period of their life, perhaps in the ninth or tenth year of life? A part of the question is immediately answered. Let us assume hypothetically that a man who has developed his I only in the second period of his life gave the order to awaken him in the morning at a particular time. Then in a kind of dream which begins as the appointed time for being awakened approaches, he has the feeling that he himself, his I, knocks on the door, approaches his bed and wakes up his physical body. He will be as one with this action. Or, in the case that he waits until he awakens of his own accord, which usually occurs at the beginning of daylight, he sees a light form that comes to him and wakes him up. Then he will know that it was not the daylight that awakened him, but that his soul, which was in a sea of light, came back as a light form into his body. Also the whole soul life would be different. There would be no sharp, exact separation between day consciousness and the dream-filled sleep consciousness, as is the case with other people, but they would merge into one another. The day-waking consciousness would be permeated by dreams that lead over almost unnoticeably into the night dreams. Because people experience themselves more as a spirit being and feel that this spirit being consumes the physical body, and must gradually bring death, they would always experience this death in their dreams. They would always have the image of death before them. Thus, a melancholic mood would spread itself over the whole of life, and in the end, lame the creative forces. But Christ is to be found in this world of death. He is there. Modern human beings often lack the courage to seek Christ and to penetrate into the spiritual world. In this connection, people have become cowardly. We realize that when a characteristic develops on the one side, it weakens so much the more on the other side. Those who have the courage in the field of technology, for example in travel by airplane, can be cowardly when it comes to entering the spiritual world. An angel-inspired Kant to maintain in his works that reason has boundaries and that our powers of knowledge are limited to the physical material realm. Thus the striving for the spiritual is quite dampened down today, and people do not even think about or realize how cowardly they are in relation to the spiritual worlds, and how their soul must become more and more desolate because of it. We are all dependent on the nuances of our modern culture, on the commercial-industrial times in which we live. And we must never forget that this is the time when materialism has reached its zenith. 
However, just as a rubber ball can be compressed only to a certain point and then springs back to its original size, so too will the souls that have been constricted by materialism unfold their wings again. The greater the soul desolation was, the stronger will be the reaction. It is always said that all of evolution proceeds in an even steady fashion, but everywhere in nature there are jumps forward, and the development of the soul is preparing precisely now to make a leap forward into the future. The divine cosmic leadership foresaw materialism. Human beings were as good as cut off from the spiritual worlds, so the forces of the soul could then move all the more strongly in response. This is because the soul forces allow themselves to be pressed together only to a certain degree. The physical constitution of human beings will remain the same in the future, but their soul life will develop as if their self-consciousness would awaken only in later years. We must realize that the forces of death and life are in us and that it is up to us to take hold of the life forces. If human beings do not achieve knowledge of Christ, if they reject the Christ impulse, they will face a boundless soul desolation and hardening and will feel only death beside themselves. They will feel only death forces walking beside them and will always have the feeling, I die into the death. A deep melancholy will take hold of such human souls. It will generate revulsion and weariness of life and lead to epidemics of suicide. When we, however, imbue ourselves with the Christ impulse, we will know clearly that all life proceeds at the cost of death. But in such a way that death is the seed or germ of a new life in the spiritual world. Death itself will approach us in the form of Christ. And we will grasp correctly the meaning of the words in Christo Moremor. Contained in the three parts of our ten-word Rosicrucian mantra, we have all the wisdom that can lead us up into the spiritual worlds. The end of record B. Record C. What is given to us esoterically, we should bring again to consciousness in our leisure hours and meditate on it in such a way that it does not become merely conceptual content, but becomes life with which we can unite ourselves completely. Also, now something will be given to us which can be important for us to make into a meditation. We have already heard much about the mystery of Golgotha, and some of us have that feeling experience that Christ is all around us, even though it is not yet a clairvoyant experience. However, even though we will come to this higher experience only later, we can still feel ourselves permeated by Christ. Because we meditate thus about Christ, the question can arise, where do we find Christ, who, as we know, was a cosmic divinity at first outside of the earth and then united himself with our earth through the mystery of Golgotha? We know that Christ will not appear again on earth in a physical body, but we can ask ourselves, where is Christ to be found in the atmosphere of the earth? We can, when we are deep in meditation, feel for moments how our teacher poses for us questions out of the spiritual world, and that because we try to answer these questions, 
we are led further forward in our meditative contemplation. One question that could be posed is as follows. If we were so disposed that we would not receive between the third and seventh years, thus in the time when the physical body receives its specific form and from then on only grows larger, our I-consciousness, but instead in the tenth year, in the second seven-year period of life, how would our consciousness develop? If our consciousness were such that until our tenth year we led a kind of dream life and then our I-consciousness awakened, we would have a totally different soul life from what we have now. If, for example, we would want to be awakened in the morning, we would see ourselves outside of our body. We would see how we knock on the door and we would know that we ourselves were within the sound that awakened us. Or also, we would not wake up the way we otherwise would and see that it has become light, but rather we would see ourselves as a light form. We would behold ourselves as a light form and sense, in opening our eyes, how we sail as a light into ourselves and pervade our body with consciousness. However, the consciousness would not have a sharp boundary between the day-waking life and the dream life of night. These, too, would flow into one another. The entire day life would have a kind of dream condition passing through it. Yet we would know at the same time that we are, in the form in which we are free of the body, a spirit being that consumes and wears on the body and brings death. We would carry around in our dreams the consciousness of death. We would always behold the image of death beside us. And this would spread a great melancholy and sorrow over life and would steal from us all strength of life. If all of this were so, the modern materialistic culture would flourish more and more and the human soul life would become desolate. We could not develop courage for life anymore. Courage is indeed decreasing among people. There is a kind of physical courage developing, for instance, in traveling by airplane, but it is at the expense of courage for the spiritual, the courage to lift ourselves above the ordinary materialistic consciousness. As strange as it may sound, the good angels inspired Kant to develop his, in quotes, boundaries of knowledge because with the materialistic culture that had to come, human beings lacked the courage to enter into the spiritual worlds and so remained stuck in the physical world. Yet just as a rubber ball that has been compressed to its extreme then springs back, so too will this pressing of the materialism call forth in the soul life a reaction, and then human courage will again want to turn to the conquest of the spiritual worlds. It is not regularly the case that human beings attain self-consciousness only at ten years of age, nor will it be so in the future. It will, however, be such that in the future the consciousness will go through the transformation that has been described, and this time is rapidly approaching. Esotericists must take up many of these things ahead of time. It is precisely for this reason that we have our theosophy and our esoteric development, so that we learn to understand the future. 
In the future, all human beings will constantly behold death beside them and experience death within themselves. Melancholy will be the basic mood of the soul, and suicide will increase in a frightening manner. Yet precisely there, in that world of death, is where we must seek Christ. When we can fill ourselves with an understanding of the mystery of Golgotha, the image of death will transform itself into the image of Christ, and then we will know where to find Christ. Without Christ, human beings would have to always go around with the feeling, I am dying, I am dying, into the death. Yet this feeling can give way to the knowledge, I die into Christ. This should be a quite special meditation in blank morimur. Out of this mantra the strength can grow in order that human beings can maintain, in spite of the new consciousness of humanity, strength of life and soul courage, and feel themselves always united with that world in which Christ is present, in which he is always with us and is all around us. In quotes, watch and pray should be the guide in order to attain that kind of consciousness of the Christ. All of this can be given real life for us if we again and again earnestly meditate our mantra Ex Deo Nasimur, In Christo Morimur, Per Spiritum Sanctum Revivissimus. From God we are born. In Christ we die. Through the Holy Spirit we come to life again. The end of record C. Record D. Today we will take up something that you must let live further in yourself meditatively in order that it may help you to progress. It has often been spoken of that Christ, before the baptism in the Jordan, was in the cosmos and could be seen there by clairvoyance. Through the baptism, Christ moved into the sheaths of Jesus of Nazareth and with the mystery of Golgotha flowed into the atmosphere of the earth and remained there. For some the question has arisen, Where is Christ now? Where is he to be sought? The memory of human beings goes back to the seventh year, which was the beginning of the eye-consciousness. Also the form of the physical body is complete and only grows from then on. The eye-consciousness comes about in this first seven-year period. Question. How would it be if the memory went back only to the tenth year, falling thus in the second period? Let us assume that it would be so. Then everything would be different. Those people who let themselves be awakened in the morning would have a dreamlike experience, as if they themselves were the ones who came up to their door and knocked in order to awaken their physical body. Or if they awakened, as they usually do, when it was light, they would have the experience that they themselves, as a light form, came up to their physical body, opened their eyes, and let the light ray into them. They would return to their physical body in the morning, knowing that they destroy the body through this, and that they bring the physical body toward death. Upon awakening, they would see death standing beside them, and melancholy would spread over their soul. Sleep would be a conscious dream life. There, consciousness would not cease. 
This is how they would experience the current condition of human evolution. Now the eye consciousness will never wait until the tenth year to awaken, but humanity is progressing, soul life is changing, and human beings will soon experience what has just been described. Had the mystery of Golgotha not occurred, they would be, with the progressing of materialistic culture, wrapped in deep melancholy, because the figure of death would be a constant companion. Through the mystery of Golgotha, the form of death will transform. For those who have taken into themselves the Christ impulse, the form of Christ. What was just described is the place where Christ is to be sought, and it is our task to prepare the time when the human being will thus experience awakening. Knowing these esoteric secrets, we should wait and look toward the morning star that will rise for humanity. The materialistic culture of technology creates courage for the physical life, but cowardice for the spiritual, for the strengthening of the soul forces. This is the reason the spiritual is denied. Therefore the angels inspired Kant to deny human beings the possibility of knowledge of the spiritual, so that the human soul forces, like a rubber ball, once pressed together and compressed, would spring up with, and with all the more strength and power grasp spiritual knowledge. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Stuttgart on November 23, 1913. Record A. Why is it that esotericists who have practiced concentration and meditation for years may still have not attained sight into the spiritual worlds? In order to answer this question clearly, we need to look at what meditation actually is. When we want to meditate, we must have the will to turn away from outer things. We do not want them to exert any influence on our thoughts anymore. Outer things should not disturb us in our devotion to the spiritual. Yet, outer occurrences and thoughts constantly push their way before our meditating soul. They want to turn us away from our meditation and hinder our devotion, and so we must exert the greatest willpower to fight against them. If we want to examine who exactly fights against our better will, the following example can perhaps give some clarification. Let us assume that a stranger approaches us and says, quote, You are a fickle person. Close quote. 99% of the time we would be disturbed by this, because until now we had thought we were quite good esotericists, who have each searched our own inner being regarding our faults. And now a stranger comes and maintains the opposite. In exactly the same way that the stranger stands in front of us, so too something in all the thoughts that shove themselves into our meditation appears before us. We believe we do not know what this is. And yet it is our own self that reveals itself in all of these thoughts and shows us how fickle we really are and how little we can free ourselves from our daily cares and desires. What always presses into us during our meditation, though we wish to separate ourselves from outer things and to unite with the spiritual, is our streaming life of desires. In the pictures of our daily life, this life of desires streams ceaselessly into our thinking 
and resists our efforts when we try to connect with the spiritual realm. That this happens can be of benefit to us, because we therefore come to know ourselves in our desire life, which is constantly flowing into these pictures and thoughts. It must lead to the self-knowledge that we have until now practiced superficially. Yet usually we will reach for all kinds of excuses because we do not want to condemn ourselves or hold ourselves accountable for anything. This is the reason that vision into the spiritual world remains closed to us. Our life of desires draws a veil in front of it. If we would turn our attention away from the occurrences and experiences of our desire life, if we would turn our eye and our devotion to the spiritual, we would have already had success long ago. To use a trivial example, even if we were to bring only so much attention to our meditation as we do for all kinds of social conversation or also for new information about friends, we would rapidly progress in our knowledge of the higher worlds. We would then push back our eye that is defending itself. Our thoughts are nothing but memories of earlier occurrences, and these occurrences are nothing other than desires that we have felt. If they had not been pleasurable to us, we would not have stored them in our memory. If we examine our memory, we will find that everything we have enjoyed the most is buried within us. Everything toward which we were indifferent, for which we did not have special interests or have not had pleasure in, disappeared from our memory. It is exactly like the school children who cannot remember in later years the small specific details of their studies because during the school years they were not so interested in the content and therefore these details did not leave so deep an impression on their memory. It is also necessary that we bring devotion and dedication to our esoteric development. It is not the method we use to meditate that should influence us nor should we wish to meditate often in order to have many experiences in the spiritual world guide us. All of that should not move us, as we would thereby see only our own wishes, because Lucifer would reign over us then. We will not free ourselves so easily from the world of Lucifer and Araman. When we believe to have practiced thorough self-knowledge and yet seek excuses for ourselves, it is Araman who stands beside us. It is just as much Araman when we seek excuses after someone says that we have done this or that badly. We love Araman and Lucifer too much. They accompany us through our whole life precisely because we love them so much. And why do we love them? We will give an example to try to make this clear. How does a mother calm her crying children? She does so by caressing them and stroking their face, which calls forth a pleasant bodily awareness. Now, we must know how Lucifer and Araman reveal themselves and endear themselves to us. They do this by bringing us into contact with the things of the world in which we seek pleasure and where the satisfaction of our desires is so pleasant. Through the light rays that Lucifer and Araman let fall upon the objects and which ray forth from the objects to us, we feel a pleasant stimulus. 
just as the crying children feel at the caressing touch of the mother. Lucifer and Araman stroke us through the magic of the light rays that they spread over the things of the world, and our eyes become aware of these things through contact with the rays. Above all, these powers show their influence also in modern science and philosophy. For example, in a conversation that a student of Schopenhauer's had with Nietzsche, Doisen maintained in relation to Nietzsche that denial of the will determines life, whereas Nietzsche said the ennobling of life leads to life. If we look closely at Doisen's statement and think about it, we would have to say that the denial of the will does not lead to life but to death. Drinkers and vagabonds who live in the state of will denial in relation to their desires and do not keep them in check but allow themselves every pleasure offered will not attain life but will find a premature death. On the other hand, people who strive for the ennoblement of their will radiate the forces of a healing seed or germ with which their rays have connected. Scholars believe themselves, with the statements of Doisen, to have looked through crystal-clear glasses, whereas their glasses actually had wooden lenses. We also see here that Araman stands before us because we ourselves do not let go of him in all our affairs in life. That is how much we love him. It is necessary to become clear about this because we must quite consciously recognize Lucifer and Araman in what we do or do not do, and especially there where these powers want to stand between us and our meditation in order to deny sight into the spiritual world. The time has come when we must strive to develop ourselves for spiritual knowledge by forming in ourselves the spiritual organs of clairvoyance, so that these organs do not dry up and languish. Slowly and gradually, we must grow in the spiritual realm out of which we are born, ex Deo Nasimur. In the beginning of our life, which has its source in the Godhead, we were still imbued by the divine spiritual forces. They work on children until the change of teeth. They still work in the milk teeth. The change of teeth is completed in the seventh year, and the new teeth intended for this life appear. Thus, Everything with human beings is renewed. The old is pushed away by the new. The hair falls out and is replaced by new hair, and the fingernails are cut and grow again. With the falling out of the first teeth, the milk teeth, the spiritual forces that have worked on the building up and growth of the child have reached their end. Now other forces or beings begin to work on the building up process for the current incarnation. With this building up, however, the decline and dying of the organs begins immediately. They gradually approach death, for even every thought we think causes destruction in the brain cells. Matter is ordained to a slow dying in Christo Moremor. We grow slowly toward the spiritual. Our hair becomes white and all of our organs pass over into the spiritual. Our whole body strives toward spiritualization. It will be resurrected again in the spirit, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. The end of record A, record B. 
esotericists must become more and more aware that the world is complicated. When we human beings come into the physical plane, something takes place during the first year of life that we can compare with the fight that spiritual beings fought before the creation of old Saturn in order for Saturn to be able to come into being. This is the fight of the spirits of personality who worked from within with the spirits of will who worked from without. In the first year of our life on the physical plane, we must fight and overcome what we have within us that is inherited. We must thus struggle with the spirits of will and with our personality. This fight takes place around us in our first year of life. If we examine children, they become similar to their ancestors only later in life, and this is so to the extent that heredity, which comes from the spirits of will, prevails over what is individual, over what the spirits of personality represent. We love being caressed. We love to enjoy ourselves. Araman strokes and caresses us, just like we caress a child. It makes the child feel good. It is Araman who whispers the excuse to us for what we do. He says, You could not have done it any differently. You cannot help it, etc. Lucifer strengthens and increases our egotism. There is also a third being that comes to us, the unknown, and says, You are a superficial human being. This irritates us. What we experience in meditation as disturbing thoughts is the unknown who says this to us. And indeed, we are ourselves this being. It is uncomfortable to discover how and what we are. People go to church and pray to beings whom they love. Often we have the name of Christ upon our lips, but we really mean Araman. Concerning the first and second teeth, it is only with the first teeth that we are immortal. The pushing from the spiritual human being brings forth the second teeth. All memory is egotism that has become fluid. We remember what once stimulated desire in us. The stronger the desire was, the better the memory. In meditation, nothing stimulates our desires. For this reason, the desire nature revolts. The desire nature wants to be stroked, and this does not happen in meditation. School children learn a lot that does not stimulate their desires. Therefore, they soon forget what they have learned. Everything concerning the secrets of our existence lies in the Rosicrucian mantra, quote in German, Aus dem Gottlichen sind wir geboren, in dem Christus sterben wir, in dem Heiligen Geiste werden wir auferstehen. Out of the Divine we are born, in Christ we die, in the Holy Spirit we resurrect. E D N disposes the divine human being, I-C-M, so that within the divine can be born P-S-S-R, the force that carries it upward. The end of that esoteric lesson and the end of section four of the book